Welcome to the Human Rights Podcast from the Irish Centre for Human Rights in the National University of Ireland, Galway. My name is Noemi Magugliani and I'm a doctoral fellow at the Irish Centre for Human Rights. Our guest today is Dr. Maria Grazia Gianmarinaro, the United Nations Special Rapporteur on Trafficking in Persons, a role to which she was appointed in 2014. She has been a judge since 1991 and currently serves as judge in the Civil Court of Rome. From 2001 to 2006, she was a judge in the Criminal Court of Rome, where she dealt with serious crimes, including violent crimes, drug trafficking, and trafficking in persons. During this time, she was also a member of the Equal Opportunity Committee at the National Superior Council of the Judiciary. From 1996 to 2001, she was the head of the Legislative Office and advisor to the Minister for Equal Opportunities. She played a key role in drafting the Italian legislation on trafficking human beings at a time in which almost no country had an anti-trafficking legislation and structure. At European level, she served from 2006 until 2009 in the European Commission's Directorate General for Justice, Freedom and Security in Brussels, where she was responsible for combating human trafficking and sexual exploitation of children. She drafted the 2011 EU Directive on Trafficking, one of the most advanced instruments globally, advocating for a human rights approach in the fight against human trafficking. From March 2010 to February 2014, she was the Special Representative and Coordinator for Combating Trafficking in Human Beings of the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. In this position, she hosted the Alliance Against Trafficking in Persons, a platform for consultation and cooperation including UN agencies, international organizations and NGOs. In February 2019, Dr. John Marinaro was appointed Adjunct Professor of Human Rights Law at the Irish Centre for Human Rights. And in September 2019, she delivered her inaugural lecture to incoming LLM students, focusing in particular on trafficking human beings in conflict contexts. Thank you, Maria Grazia, for having joined us today. Hello. The phenomenon of trafficking human beings has recently been framed as one of the main issues of concern in the public debate, both in Europe and globally. Looking back at when you started working on this particular issue, when and how do you think that the public perception of human trafficking changed? It has been a long process. Uh, I remember that when we started um, at the end of the 90s, nobody knew anything about this, uh, even for us. And we were the uh, coordinating administration, the Ministry for Equal Opportunities. We didn't have a clear idea of what it was about, but the organizations uh, helped a lot. Uh, in promoting uh, a better understanding of the fact that what was considered traditionally exploitation of prostitution was becoming something different, was becoming slavery. And I remember that uh, I started to to go out at the night with the street units of the civil society organizations uh, and talk with the girls that were uh, on the streets just to better understand and uh, this was the beginning of everything, because uh, when you see what it's about, when you see uh, what extent people can be exploited, tortured, threatened, uh, they were killed also if they refused to be prostitutes, uh, this becomes a commitment, a personal commitment, uh, not just a bureaucratic uh, task or uh, an academic interest. So you have played a key role in drafting several of the most important anti-trafficking instruments, both in Italy and in Europe. What were the most controversial points in the negotiations? The most controversial point was the consent of the person. Because uh, 
when extreme violence is uh, used to reduce a person under the control of another person, it is clear that the person didn't consent. But traffickers uh, started already at that time to use a more subtle means of coercion. For example, they convinced the person, at that time we talked almost ex exclusively uh, about uh, trafficking for the purpose of sexual exploitation, we were talking mostly about women and girls. When traffickers uh, use this uh, subtle means, uh, they try, for example, to convince the girl that there's no alternative. This is the better, uh, the better option they have. Or they show a sort of uh, attachment or even love to induce the, the girl to, to prostitute herself uh, for, for the trafficker. Or they threaten the family so that uh, uh, you know the girl uh, lives in a, in a situation of uh, uncertain uh, she's uncertain about her destiny and the destiny of the family so the the po the most controversial point was the consent because if we say that the consent is not valid in the case of children uh, this leads to a sort of uh, infantilization of uh, all the people that can be subjected to exploitation. If we consider the consent always valid, uh, we overlook the situations in which uh, there is this uh, manipulation, there's a psychological manipulation of the, of the victim. In fact, I think that uh, in the Palermo Protocol, uh, the, the main uh, global instrument on trafficking, a certain balance has been, uh, has been reached in the sense that the consent is valid, except for the cases in which uh, the illicit means of coercion have been used. But in practice, uh, consent and abuse of a position of, of vulnerability are two aspects of the same reality. The reality is uh, humiliation, manipulation, and psychological control. So you have worked on trafficking from several different perspectives. Could you describe the scope of your mandate as a UN Special Rapporteur? Special Rapporteurs are part of the so-called Special Procedures of the Human Rights Council. I report twice a year to the Human Rights Council and to the General Assembly. This is interesting because not all Special Rapporteurs report to the General Assembly and this means that the trafficking is considered topic included in the peace and security agenda. The thematic reports are the core of my mandate. I try to highlight uh, aspects that have been overlooked in the past or that are not uh, properly addressed. In addition, I carry out country visits with the final report and recommendations as, as far as I, as I can. I try to follow up to these recommendations and try to pave the, the way for further uh, advancement. Since the beginning of your mandate, in which areas do you think there have been improvements and in which ones do you think that problems still remain and need to be addressed? Improvements uh, in the field of, uh, are mostly in the field of uh, adoption of legislation, criminalization of trafficking and in the establishment of uh, mechanisms to make it possible that victims uh, receive uh, some form of assistance and support. So this exists almost everywhere. 
and uh, civil society organizations have played a crucial role because in many countries, uh, governments uh, rely on uh, uh, the work of uh, civil society organizations to uh, organize uh, assistance, uh, legal counseling, uh, all, the, all the support measures are, uh, you know, the best experiences are uh, carried out in cooperation between governments uh, or local authorities and NGOs, which of course are funded to do so. So this is the, the, good, uh, the good side. The bad side is that we still have uh, gaps in terms of uh, full respect of human rights of people uh, concerned, involved as victims uh, in a trafficking process. In the sense that all these measures in the protocol, in the Palermo Protocol, are not binding. So states are not bound to adopt such uh, legislation or administrative regulation. So every state can decide to which extent they want to support victims. In addition, in uh, some states, uh, assistance is still conditional to cooperation of victims in criminal proceedings. This is a very very difficult point because uh, we have to think that a victim is very often a traumatized person, not only victims of sexual exploitation, but uh, very often also victims of labor exploitation, working in um, inhuman conditions, uh, uh, 14 hours a day, without any, any medical assistance. Uh, there, there are people uh, dying, dying uh, in uh, situations of forced labor. So th- this kind of traumatized victim is not ready to talk with a law enforcement official and to trust a law enforcement official. They sometimes come from countries in which uh, they have uh, witnessed corruption uh, of uh, law enforcement and collusion of law enforcement with with traffickers. So making assistance conditional is is a bad mistake. But uh, uh, this happens in many countries. In the vast majority of countries, Residence permit is conditional. Uh, assistance is not conditional, but residence permit is, which means that at least for foreign victims, also assistance is conditional because, of course, if they don't have a residence, uh, residence permit, they cannot stay in the country, they cannot be uh, helped. So there is a discrimination between victims and on top of it uh, all the measures for victims are not rights in the real sense of the word in the sense that it is not possible to go to justice to have for example a revision of a negative decision of uh, uh, competent authorities. You recently also publicly criticized together with other UN special rapporteurs Another problematic issue, which is the progressive criminalization of migration as well as search and rescue activities in the Mediterranean. What do you think is the most problematic aspect of these measures? These measures uh, must be abrogated. There is no one problematic aspect. These measures are inspired by the idea that migration must be blocked. And these measures are in clear violation of the entire uh, international uh, legal context uh, concerning uh, search and rescue at sea, starting with uh, the, the Montego Bay Convention on the, on the right of the sea, 
the Convention Solas, the Convention SAR, the Geneva Convention, because another right that is violated is the right to seek asylum in the country of, uh, of arrival. Victims of trafficking are denied the, possibi- the possibility to benefit from uh, uh, support measures, but uh, on top of it is uh, the right to life, which is uh, in question. So many people have died in the Mediterranean Sea. And what is uh, clear, should be clear, to competent authorities, and we underlined in our letter, is that search and rescue operation don't finish when the person is on a ship. The search and rescue operation finishes when the person arrives in a safe port. And so disembarkation is something that uh, is included in the whole concept uh, of uh, search and rescue. If you deny to a person uh, in distress vis-à-vis an obligation uh, to uh, rescue this person, uh, if you deny the possibility to disembark, this is a clear violation of, uh, of uh, international law. During your inaugural lecture as adjunct professor here at NY Galway, you called for a new global instrument moving forward from the Palermo Protocol. So do you think that Palermo is out of date? No, it is not out of date. It's still to be implemented fully and correctly. And uh, therefore, I continue to call for ratification and implementation of the Palermo Protocol. However, I have to say that these gaps in terms of human rights should be addressed. The provisions concerning assistance to victims are very weak, mostly non-binding. The only binding provision concerning victims' rights is the provision on compensation, which is unfortunately very rarely applied. And the provision about the residence status is particularly weak, the language is particularly weak, and none of these entitlements is justiciable. So we cannot talk in, uh, in legal terms about rights. Of course, uh, I know that uh, you know, the negotiation of a new instrument is very difficult, but I have to say also that there are other instruments, the so-called soft law instruments. For example, the recommended principles and guidelines of the Office of the High Commissioner on Trafficking are very clearly uh, human rights-based. Uh, we can build on that beca- because uh, recommended principles were issued in uh, 2004 to address all the gaps. And I think that in the future, we should uh, have in mind the possibility of a new instrument. For the moment, we are fighting, we are struggling to implement what we have. Thank you very much, Dr. John Marinaro. We're looking forward to having you back in Galway. Thank you.